You're now listening to Too Old for Excuses podcast, a show where we have candid conversations about finding the inspiration and motivation to reinvent your career, lifestyle, and creative goals with a little bit of humor sprinkled in. So we started a podcast. I love it. And we decided to have you on because you do a tremendous job of uh, putting on shows and, you know, making sure everything is from point A to point B, um, just so well thought out and so well organized. But that's that's great. But you also have so many other things going on. So that's kind of what we what we want to talk about. We want to talk about, um, you know, what you do in your in your not your spare time in your daytime life. Yeah. Because you have a show that's what's so what's your real job? Yeah. Right? No, yeah. No, but what's your real job? No, yeah. but what's your right. real job? Isn't that the question that everybody asks you all the time anyway? <laughs> yep, yep. And when you have a different job, like a real job. I never want to say comedian because that's not true. Or like at what point would it be true? You know, I never could. So like sometimes like at a cocktail party when I want to sound better, I'm like, I'm a stand-up comedian. And right. then people will like say to you, like, well, how much money do you make from that? Like, what's the qualification? Like, that's at like your real job. What do you actually do? And it's like, I guess it's not my real job because it must mostly cost me money, right? At this point. It does. But, <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. It's more it does. of an expense than it is anything else. But, but. what do you what do you do in your day job? So I, I work at a law firm as a pro bono program manager. Okay. Right. Uh, that's new. I've done other law firm related things throughout the years, project management, whatever, but it's always kind of been in a law firm working for the man a little right. bit. Yeah. And I, I heard, I understand, or I was doing some research, I guess. And I heard, actually, I just listened to a couple of podcasts that you were on. <laughs> did you? Well, yeah. You did? Yes, oh, my God. By the way. Come on. <laughs> oh, oh God. <laughs> by the way, how was your dentist appointment on November 9th? <laughs> Wait, how did we went you? we went on your website and we were looking at your oh at God, your I calendar and then it says like shows shows coming up November fifteenth I'm at whatever virtual show I'm gonna be in this outdoor park November 9th dentist appointment <laughs> ten a.m. to twelve p.m. I couldn't that. stop crying we were, dying. <laughs> we were dying we were dying because he found it and I was like wait what are you talking about he's like she has a dentist appointment on November 9th. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get a cavity filled? Oh, oh man, that is oh, so that is funny. That's very embarrassing. Hey guys, you can catch me at <laughs> the Atlantern Wednesday colonoscopy. <laughs> but that's that's one of those functions of right. Like you have so many things going on, you're like, okay, I got to add this to my calendar, and then you know you you set up. I'm sure you set up your own website, or you you had somebody set it up. Let me integrate it with my calendar so I can do all of these things. And it's like, yeah, let me just put this in. I got so much going on, and yeah. Yeah, it goes my everybody knows my dentist appointment not to be crazy but like in terms of the kind of calendar situation like that is what my wow and wow. it's not that I'm so important it's just that that's like so it's reminders of the different colors mean all the things right. so I made one for comedy and if you click comedy it like goes to the thing yeah. but then accidentally my dentist yeah, or my so gynecology that appointments was, like I'm turning up but everywhere you go is an open mic though man. <laughs> it's, yeah it's, <laughs> so what's the deal with dentists guys <laughs> uh, that's hilarious and also you said you I think I've been on like what podcast do you listen to? Like I thought that on. Um, uh, I was supposed to do that one on. I think Turner Sparks Turner Spar- pod- podcast, podcast. Something about America. Lost oh, yeah. America. in America. Which which brings us to the point of before you started comedy, right? Yeah. You were you were in Germany. Now here's the part that I don't remember. Were you in the service or was your ex husband? My ex husband was in the service. Okay, yeah. he was in the service. Yeah. You guys were stationed in Germany and. That was great. It was a great story, and it, it opened up so much more because we know you do comedy, and but it a lot of times the podcasts open you up to so much more. So 
you were in Germany, you got a job, one of the very few, and you you had a career while you were there working yeah. in a similar, in law firm, similar yeah. uh, to what you're doing, you know, what it is that yes, you're doing. Yes, research, this is so, embarrassing. <laughs> no, no, so talk, talk about that experience, and then I, wanna, I want you to get into how that transformed into starting comedy once you came back. I always like wanted to do something creative. I was like, you know, younger, doing acting, doing that kind of stuff. And like, I thought I wanted to go to college for that. But like, you know, I grew up in this like super middle class, lower middle class area. Like you didn't, you didn't go to school to be like, I must have told my mom I wanted to go to school to be like a wizard. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. that was, like, <laughs> like we're going to pay to send you to be a, like you're not right. going to be a, like that's nuts. So I was like, do something sensible, like a liberal arts degree, like you're going to do anything with that. But like, so that's sort of the path. Like it just wasn't. The idea that you could do something creative and get paid for it is like a, that was never like really you just like get a real job and you know be a grown up. Right, right. And so I you know I went to school and I got married really young to a guy in the military and so we hopped around and I just followed him around for his career you know Georgia California wherever we ended up in Germany. Um, what a great experience that must have been. It was good. It was really good. You know, made a lot of friends and we got to do a lot of different stuff. But it was always like about his life and I got married really young. I was like twenty three or something. Oh wow. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. So. Um, I didn't want to move to Germany until I knew I could get a job because I didn't like a lot of these housewives and stuff, not to like be over the top about like how the military is, but like often it's the man who's in the, the service and the woman doesn't really work and they're all like home having babies, like not working. Mm-hmm. And so I found a job and like maybe something you heard from like Turner's podcast is like the idea is like in Germany, they would talk about jobs that were like not military related as being okay. on the economy. Right. This, that's like, that so was funny. The term. That was so like, funny. How did you get a job on the economy? And it's <laughs> right. like people had been like, in this like net of like military so long that you didn't even know, like you couldn't even like, like how does one get a job in the world outside? Right, like you just right. working, you know, monster.com or you look for one on the and internet. See, that's, that's the thing about you too, is that you're like, okay, this is something that I want to do. I'm going to go do it. And I'm, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. This is what I want to do. And I'm going to go do it. Because yeah. the normal was, you know, everybody's just, like you said, going to their, going to the local stores on the base, not venturing outside, but you're like, no, fuck this. I'm Italian. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. (laughs) You know, and it's like, you went like, I don't want to be one of those girls. It was like not work. Like, and I don't want to have kids either. So I was like, what's going to sit home and like fucking knit sweaters? Are you, did you do any military things? (laughs) No, no, nothing like that. Okay. My dad pushed me away from that shit. He was in. He was in. Okay, and so he, was, he like, was like, yeah, nah, don't not do military. We've been arrested. <laughs> <laughs> That's the closest thing gun related yeah. <laughs> to the service. Yeah. So, yeah, I did that. And, uh, you know, uh, my ex and I really loved Germany. I mean, he ended up getting out of the military and staying like, you know, working in the private sector. And we just kept staying. I mean, the quality of life was really good there. And I had, you know kind of deferred, this is so cheesy, but like deferred my own like dreams or life for so long. I didn't even know what they really were anymore. Mm -hmm. Like maybe by that time I was already like, we'd like eight years into Germany and life there and being married. And I just thought like, this is going to be it. And it was a nice enough life. Like you do work hard, but it's very relaxed in a way that it's not in America. Like everybody doesn't talk about, like we go to a party, for instance, like nobody will say to you, what do you do? That's like a rude question to ask. You know, mm. they'll say like, where are you from? What's your favorite color? And blah, blah, blah. But like, what do you do? It's like, that's not who we are. Like, right. that's just the thing that I do for money. So the culture was very different. So I didn't feel that kind of pressure to be like, what am I doing with my life? It was like, I have this office job that I don't love, but I get paid and I have money right. to, to go and, you know, you get 30 days vacation a year or something. So take right, it and right, go right. wherever you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I really... Um, 
um, like and you that. gave up all that to do comedy. No. Give <laughs> <laughs> all that to do comedy. But I did eventually like get to the point where I was like, okay, I have to figure out what I want to do. And I never wanted to like really work for the man. And so the next thing that seemed sensible was like, I always wanted to be more of like a hippie do-gooder. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to go back to school for something in that kind of like nonprofit development sector. But I had been out of that world for so long that, you know, like I didn't think I was going to get into school with all this like corporate shit on my CV. So I was like, I have to do something else. So I went and I, uh, I got like a, a, like a contract position in Peru for six months working at this like NGO. So I left my husband in Germany and I went there for six months to like, just like get some on the ground experience so I could put something cool on my resume so that when I applied to school, they were going to be like, ah, so I did that. I applied to school in the Netherlands and I I went and got a master's. That's in your blog. You wrote about the Peru experiences. (laughs) You saw saw a man on a horse. (laughs) That was no. I read up <laughs> after yesterday. I started looking up on her blog. I tried to go back just to see what was like the what was the what was the first thing she wrote no, on the blog was, about her experience in Peru. That's cool. That's cool. And so, all so that had to be a strain on the relationship, right? Like you're gone for six months, and then you're off to the Netherlands, and your husband is still in Germany. Yeah, it was. I think. I think probably what happened with us is that we were probably more friends than we were anything else, and so like the relationship was already this like platonic kind of setup. So I think that's maybe what allowed me the freedom to feel like I could kind of go and do whatever. Cause I was like, in a way, I mean, I missed him a lot, but it was like almost like leaving my brother. I was like, well, you know, you have lived your life. I'm going to live my life. Like we'll right. see each other and it'll be okay. Right. But like, it was so platonic to the point where like, we really hadn't seen each other in six months. And like when he came to Peru to like meet me after the program, we didn't even have sex that first day. Wow. Wow. We were just like, okay, <coughs> wow. let's, you want to go out and get a drink or like do whatever. So it was sort of like, it should have been, Maybe like a moment where you're like, this is not going to work out. Right. Oh, so that that was my next question is, did you, was that a sign or like a red flag of, yeah, this is. Yeah, I guess I had, I had been like unhappy for such a long time with that like side of it. I was always like me that was like in love with him. And he sort of like, not that he didn't love me, but I think he loved me in a different way. Mm-hmm. He didn't really have a family. My family kind of adopted him. Mm-hmm. He sort of like had, was like this orphan. And so you, he met me and like a life was like given to him in that way. You right. know, like he immediately had like Christmases and someone to call mom wow. and someone to do all this stuff. And like, we got along and we had a good time. So I think he like loved me, but he never really wanted to like, he wasn't really in love with right. me. So after a while I kind of got used to that and I thought like, okay, like this is the life you have, right? To be happy with, you, you can wake up every morning and be unhappy because you want and you want and you're not getting, or you can just go, this is what I have. Like, let me be happy with what it is I have mm-hmm. and I can, you know, whatever. But then I, you know, got like crazy about some other guy and I was like, oh, I want to feel those feelings again. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I was like, oh, yeah. So anyway, I'm all over the place. But um, no, no, that's, that's great. So my thinking was that she came to the epiphany that was like, you know what? I'm going back to the States. I want to do comedy. So, but it wasn't you, that. But it you went like, to school first, right? Oh, right. A million things. Okay. So yeah. So Peru, then to school, and then I came back to Germany. And I thought, now that I've got this degree, I'm going to be able to, like, get the job that I want. And I still couldn't do it. And I was like, What was the job that you wanted? So I thought I would, like, get to work in, like, maybe the nonprofit sector. But my German still wasn't great. And even though you could work in English doing a lot of other things in that area, the nonprofit sector was tough. And it just, like, wasn't immediately working out. So I came back to America just for, like, maybe, like, two months after my thesis was done, just for, like, vacation, just to, like, visit family and, like, do whatever. And in that time... Uh, a woman I had worked with in Germany who was an American who works at a company now in the States called me and was like, hey, we need someone to like work at our law firm for uh-huh. like temp job for like a couple months. Just help us out. We'll pay you really well. Pay off your student loans. You don't have a plan anyway. Just do that wow. and then go back to Germany. And I was like, yeah, OK. Wow. So like 
even though in the back of my mind, I was like, why am I really saying yes to this? I was like all practical stuff. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm just gonna. And then I stayed and, you know, did that job for a little while. And as I was doing that job, like other things sort of started to happen. Like I, I was like, well, let me just try and open mic because it was a thing I always wanted to do. And I was like, I'm, I'm only in New York for a couple months and then I'm gonna have to go back to this other life. Like if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. Good point. So you said, let me try this open mic, but what sparked that, right? And where was the... Was there, was that ever a dream? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, before I like sublimated all that to pretend that like you can't have a creative role, like, uh, I remember you guys are about my age when Comedy Central became like a thing. Like, when I was at first right. a TV show, right. I would be downstairs in the basement because I was not allowed to watch it. And I would like just like watch comedians. Mm-hmm. And like, lo- and I was like maybe eight or nine years old. Like, a lot of it was like way over my head, but I just really loved stand up comedy and I would get into it. And I remember like watching all these. I still have like a, a very like a almost like a, a crazy memory for like 1990s comedy like wow. it's almost like if i see this comedian like i can remember like exactly what he said in this one line on like you know uh remember the uh two drink minimum was like one of the shows on oh, comedy wow. central yeah, okay. or the a-list and i was like i remember all these kinds of That's whatever great. so yeah i was always really into it and like i remember like trying to get my friends to like watch comedy too and they'd be like we don't get this is stupid like, right, pretend right. like yeah, i don't what is this yeah. i'm like i love it so i always really liked it and, but, you know, as a girl too, like, and I wasn't necessarily like the funny person, I would say. So it's not like, you know, everybody gets that label. There's the funny kids in school. Mm-hmm. I was not, maybe I was outgoing or something, but I never, so you just don't think like, right. I'm not, I'm not like that guy. So right. I don't even know how I would begin to right. do that. But as I got older, it was a thing that I, I started to feel like, um, I really wanted to do. It wasn't possible. A good friend of mine who was more an actress than a comedian just like randomly started doing it in LA and I would see her like posts on Instagram about it and I would be so jealous wow. like not mm. even that she was like blowing up because she wasn't but this is the fact mm. that she did it and I was right. like oh she can do it like why can't I right, right, so right. in Germany I actually when I would go on these like long walks on like you know during the day with the dogs and stuff I would write jokes and like write them to myself and rehearse them and whatever and just think I'm never gonna say this to anybody like what am I gonna do I live right. in Germany it's never gonna happen so then when the New York thing happened it had always been something where I was like Bleh. and I was I was 33 which is like, right, like wow. your Christ year. Like you have to like, right. Right. You have to it's like now or never right. do something. So I, yeah. So I just, I went to two open mics before I did anything. And then, cause I'm such a nerd, I signed up for a class. Cause I was like, a class is what's going to get me to do the open mic. Right. So right. then I did a couple classes and then I Which did is the mic. first open mic that you did? Um, it was a Buddha mic. Oh, um, oh nice. Of course. Love it. Um, in the basement of the, the Polish restaurant. What was it called? Not, not Karma Lounge. Not a... Uh, it starts with like, hey, though. Clip, climate. A, a climate. Climate. Yeah. Climate. Wow. Yeah. What, a, what, a, what an experience. Your first mic being a Buddha mic. That was awesome. Yeah. I love Buddha. People talk a lot of shit about Buddha, but like, I lo- you know what? It was a lot and like people in- affiliated with it could be a lot, but it was the only place where people gave you like any. Any, yeah, you got any feedback. Any feedback, any attention. Right. Like occasionally it would almost feel like a show and someone would bring their friends yeah, no, on like a right, Saturday right, right. night and you were like, am I a real comedian? Like, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because it seems like the whole comedy and starting comedy thing is so uh, scary. It seems for older people, that seems to be the route to take the class to force yourself Correct. to perform. Because otherwise, if you just say, like, I'm going to go to the mic, I'm not going to do it. Because I remember when I was, like, trying to start out and it was, like, in my 30s, I would sign up for, like, Stand Up New York on their list and my name would be there. And sometimes I wouldn't even, like, go. <laughs> but then I'd feel like shit when I would look at it and I'm like... I'm not even doing anything today. Like I'm not doing anything important and I would see my name. And then that's kind of when it started to, I started to like, okay, like I have a passion to want to do it. Cause it's like, I would feel so bad for not doing it. But eventually I got into some writing class for the same reason that Abby said, it was like to push myself like 
you have to you have to perform. There's no fucking you're gonna. But you did your first show. open mic cold, like no class, no anything. You just got up. Yeah, yeah. I just got up to do it. Uh, I did also like go to a lot of open mics just to watch, just to see like what it was like, you know. Uh, and then yeah, and then I finally did one. I did like okay, and then I did one, and I was bad, and then then I stopped doing, it. and then I was uh, I found myself I guess like in a similar path to you in that. Uh, I always wanted to do it. I didn't think there was like a realistic path or I didn't know anybody who did it. So I just never thought about like, oh, yeah, I can pursue this. Or uh, And then at some point I was getting ready, like I told Lee in our first ep- uh, first episode, uh, I was getting ready to go teach in South Korea. And then the process for that is like six months of applications. You got to get fingerprints from FBI and all that. And then in that process. So they were like, you're out. Right. <laughs> in that process, I was like. I had finished grad school uh, for education. And then within that time period that I had, I was like, all right, I have six months. If I want to do anything creative, like either I do the acting and focus on acting or I got to or I always wanted to try stand up. But I never found like I could never get it in to fucking just do it. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, just fucking do it. You got six months. You're going to leave anyway. And then I, st- I was like, you do it. If you enjoy it, then keep going. And then I started. I really enjoyed it. And then. Around that same time, a friend of mine, she has started a show. And then I started like helping her produce the show. And then I started getting on the show. <laughs> and that's how kind of I, then I, I just stayed because I was enjoying it so much. Yeah. And then I never, I didn't leave. I stayed in the United States. So the girl that was an actress doing comedy, what is she doing now? Is that me? No, the the girl that oh, kind of inspired you, your friend oh, that kind of inspired you. She is still mm-hmm. an actress. Not trying a comedian. to, yeah. So she was always just doing comedy as like a sort of like an exercise to better her acting. Don't you it wasn't hate really those like, times? yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I know, but a little bit, a little bit. You know what I mean? Because also, I feel like the the pressure was off her in a lot of ways too, and I wanted to feel that freedom. And even when I see, because I I take it really seriously, and I still, after five years, I'm incredibly nervous on stage because it matters so much to me. Right. And sometimes I'll see people, I mean, like like a Phil Duckett, for instance, right. who I find right. to be on stage just like the most relaxed yeah, seeming yeah, and I'm yeah. so jealous of that yeah. like he's like I didn't give a shit if yeah, it doesn't go okay exactly. and, he, and that makes that people like him man. better and I try to like psych myself up to get up there to be like I don't care if you don't like me but I don't <laughs> right. mean it I yeah. don't mean it at yeah. all it's rough it's rough give me one second let me just check this camera because uh, we're poor at this podcast <laughs> just make sure that shit is still recording uh, so your friend that she was doing comedy were you oh well you weren't near you weren't like near her in my situation my friend that was like kind of going into comedy because she was a waitress at comedy clubs mm. so she knew a lot of comedians and then when she would start doing her show she would get all these like big time guys that are big time now but at the time they were like on the right at the cusp like sam morrill mark norman so i remember when she was doing it i was kind of pushing her because vicariously i was living <laughs> through her and i was like yo when she was like oh yeah i'm thinking of starting again because these you know they asked me to start a show at a bar and i was like yo you gotta do it like you gotta do it like i'll help you but it was just me was pushing you. somebody else to do like what i always wanted to do yeah but i just couldn't like i just could not see myself like it was just so like uh scary to 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 think of myself like performing in front of people and like being judged you know yeah uh but yeah, that's why I asked about your friend if you were like, because I was putting pressure on my friend. Like, yeah, you got to do it. You got to go. You got to do it. Yeah. So you're you're working at this job. Uh, it's still the temp job when you came back from yeah. from uh, Germany and you're here and you do your first mic. Mm. And at what point do you say, um, let me, I love this. Let me take this class. 
so I took the class first and that's what prompted me to do the mic. The first two mics okay, I just okay. went and like sat in the back like a creep. So the, actually the very first mic I ever went to just was also a Buddha mic, but Casey Balsham just happened to be oh like trying something wow. out. Wow. So I didn't know. I'm like, this yeah. is what people are open mics are like? Like, this is crazy. So I just like left and I was like, this is nuts. And then I went to another one and it was like all just like real people just starting out. And I was like, okay, maybe this isn't that bad. So right, then I yeah. took the class, I came back, did the mic. The first mic went pretty well because I was like up first. So like it went as well as it could go for mm-hmm. your, you know, Mm-hmm, right. But I was up first and I was prepared and I like did my, I think I did like two minutes and that was it. But the other mic, I went my like second time and I went and I had like a couple drinks before, which I like, I absolutely never drink before a show. And I was like, just nervous. And, like, I didn't realize how much I had, you know, been drinking and they pulled my name last. So it's oh, like, I had all that time wow. to just like, you know, wow. get drunk and nervous. And I got up there and I was just like, Burr! like, I just like, you know, five Shh, minutes of a set, just like hair down to 30 seconds and, like to the point where like, you know, you can't stop. And I just saw like the, the other comics <laughs> Eyes over, like this is like it was like a car accident. You know, you you've been in the audience, you felt yeah, those things. Right, you were right. like, oh god, I wish you could stop, but you couldn't. I couldn't stop. And I was like, oh no. And then I was like, I'm never doing this again. But then I'm like, I was with friends, and they were all like supported from the class. They're like, come on, man, we got to do it. The class I took was a comedy seller class with Veronica Mosey, wow. um, who's like you know performs at the cellar, and she was like legit. And she made me, you know, I guess it's her job to make you feel like souped up too, because she wants your money and she wants you to keep coming back. She was like. You got something. I'm like, do you think so? Maybe she does. <laughs> but like, and because I, I also had a day job and was working, like a legit job, which I guess some other comedians you know aren't doing right now. Like I, I had the money to throw at this right, kind of stuff. So right, right, right. I took extra like private sessions with her and I was like doing the writing yeah. and doing all this extra stuff. So I felt like I could it was one advantage I had. Where, whereas my youth was the thing that like everybody else had. I was so jealous of those people who start out when they're like seventeen. Like especially like those like kids who like grew up in the city and they've been like coming in since they were sixteen and they've been doing comedy. Yeah. Like I just yeah. so jealous. So I was like, at least I have this other thing that I can kind of throw at um, babbling. Um, so yeah, so I stayed. I just kept pushing the date back to go back to Germany. It was supposed to be November, and then I was like, well, you know what? We'll just why don't we just do Christmas? You're gonna come back after Christmas anyway. And then after Christmas, I was like, you know, why don't we just this is going good with comedy. And I don't think I was even aware that I was like pushing it for that reason. It was part comedy and like what I wanted to do here and part that relationship. And then I started trying to get him to come to New York. I'm like, just I've been following you around for your career your whole life. Like, just you could do something here. Like you're very employable. And I can't do comedy other places. I certainly can't do it in Germany. And he wouldn't come. And we just like kind of Wow. Yeah. And then at a certain point, it was like March of whatever that following year was. It was like D-Day. Like that was like, you're going, like we have a ticket booked. And like, as it got closer, I started like having panic attacks. And I was Ooh. like, I can't, I can't go back. And like, it was just like two weeks before I went and I just called him and was like, I think I want a divorce. I don't know if I want to do this. Oh my God. Uh. Wow. So to get broken up, we got to have him on okay. the podcast. We got to have him. Yeah. You got the divorced for comedy. <laughs> Over the phone. Over the phone. It was. It was for, for lantern shows. You got broken up for lantern. For Eddie, really. For Eddie. More than anything else. Eddie of the lantern. No, I know. It was. Man, so at what point, like, so you're. you're I can't talk to you right now. My climate. Yeah. <laughs> so at what point do you start to, like, think, like, okay. Like, I'm going to take this comedy thing, like, seriously. Like, seems like, like almost from the beginning, though. But it seems, in your, yeah, that's what it's. You, you put money out there. I love your bedazzled mask, by oh, the way. Oh, thank nice. you. <laughs> but you, you you put money down, and so that makes it kind of serious. And you, you're you already, you know, you have your career, you're, you're in your 30s already. So I think that's probably what made you take it more serious. Because would you have done this, let's say, all things being equal, 
in your 20s? No, I, I certainly I wasn't brave enough in my 20s. I think I think maybe by the time I got to be 33, I was sort of just like, not that you're even brave, but you're just like, fuck it. Like, well, what do I have to lose right. at this point? You know, right. and the fear of not doing it got to be scarier than the fear of doing wow. it. And that I think made a difference. I don't know. I don't know what I thought, though. I think I thought this is like a creative outlet. This is like just a fun thing that I want to be able to do. I don't think I ever imagined like. I may be performing to some real audience or I even like, cause at the very beginning of comedy too, like I didn't have any real context for like what even the next step is. Like, do you remember those moments when you're at your first mic where you're going like, well, how do I even get it? Like, how do you even get a show? Like how right, does one right. even, when you see other people and you're like, Sam Marilla, like how did he get to that place? Right. Like I didn't even know what the steps were. You know, like like real early I on, I was don't, like, "Well, I guess way. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still, but like, you, you, at least I hear other people. Right, like, right. I see their steps. Right. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Like at, cer- at a certain point, I was like trying to be practical. Like a couple months in, I'm like, "Well, I guess I need a, an agent." Hello, like stop it. You don't need an agent. <laughs> no, You're terrible. Right. Yeah. And so somebody basically said to me, "Like get good, and the agents will come to you." And I was like, "I haven't uh, thought of yeah, that." But okay. Yeah. Um, so I st- I still don't exactly know. Like I don't know what like. I actually ask people this a lot because I'm also like looking for it, like inspo and like what, you, but like, where do you, like, if you could paint the future picture, like, where do you see yourself with comedy or with things related to it? Like, what do you imagine is the like future goal if it works out? I don't, <laughs> I don't see a future. Oh. No, I'm kidding. Like I, sh- we shouldn't even be here right now. So <laughs> that's always started as. No. Yeah. That's, that's, you just keep doing. I think it's just keep doing it and eventually something will happen, but mm. you can't stop. That's the whole point. It's just, mm. you can't stop. I kind of like what we're doing because I can appreciate this now, right? Mm. Like we're doing a podcast. It's so cool. You know, we're we're doing virtual shows. That's cool. Yeah. We have our own show. So when people, and to your point, you said earlier, like when people ask you, well, what do you do? And you're like, well, do I say I'm a comedian? Yeah. Because we are comedians. We're doing this. Like you, yeah. like, think about it. You have, you perform at New York Comedy Club. And when people in the Midwest or, or you right. know, in other countries, they see New York Comedy Club, they're like, wow, some of my favorite people. And you do that. Yeah. So you are, we are comedians. We are doing this. And as long as we don't stop, that's who we are. Yeah. Right. As long like as we that. just keep going, it doesn't matter what happens because we've already done it. We've already made it. Now, whether or not we'll make money from it, you know, there's different ways to make money from it, but we're, we're doing it. So just, I think the whole thing is not to quit. The whole thing is not to quit. Yeah. yeah. That's that's just what it is. And whatever happens is great on top of it. Right. But just continue doing it. And that's that's the yeah. best part so of it. You don't have you don't have any kind of threshold whereby you go like, if this doesn't happen stop. by I'm an age, no, I used to at first, uh, but no, then I learned like, it's just, you just start driving yourself crazy when you start thinking about all these other uh, things. Talking about like setting like unrealistic expectations as well. Like when you start, right? You're first nervous. Like, how do I get to that? These people's level. Then you start getting like a little traction or something. You're getting funnier. You're getting more stuff. And then it's almost like you either hit like a lull or something mm-hmm. with like either your martel where you feel you're at. And then you start like either unfairly comparing yourself to other people. But their situation might be very different from yours. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And you start to see other, you know. Because, like, every time you, people, it's like right in your face because we got to be on social media. Fuck. Right. And it's like, and you here's a shit it. you didn't get. Here's yeah. a shit. Like, oh, yeah. Here's a big festival that didn't accept you. Here's the. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah. and then in those, in those festivals, it's people that you have at your show that bomb your show 
<laughs> You're like, are you fucking kidding me? What's going on? Here's the TikTok video you didn't make that blew somebody else right, up. Right, you had that right, idea? Right. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, but you know what, too, though? I think with the advent of social media and with all the outlets that we have now, we can make our own. Yeah. Right. So if you're like, I want to be on Comedy Central, mm, Comedy Central's on YouTube. I can put my stuff on YouTube. Or, you know, uh, you know, Comedy Central has this podcast. We're starting a podcast. We can put it out there too. So it's almost like they have the name and the brand and all that stuff, but we can do the same thing. You know, right. They're my, not gatekeepers in the same way anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know. I have two listeners, right? We have two listeners so far, just you and I. <laughs> and that's why we, that's enough to do that's it. Enough, you yeah. know that's, <laughs> that's what keeps us going. You get a third. You get a third. I'll check it out. Yeah. So, go ahead. I'm I sorry. don't know. I just, I, I, uh, I think not to like make everything gendered, but like for me, like as a woman, as an older woman, I also feel like I have a little bit less of like a, uh, lifespan in this kind of thing. I mean, I think I'm lucky that I look a little younger than I am right now. And like, I'm not, I don't have kids. I don't plan to have kids. And so that like helps me. But I think, you know, male comedians in the stand-up comedy realm, there is no real age limit to like, you know, there are great old guys on the road. You'd be mm-hmm. like 65. Like how old is like Louis C.K.? I mean, he's still like taking his dick out. They're still putting him on the road. He's like, he's old, right? <laughs> he's old and he's still like. There's no age you know, limit for pulling your dick out. <laughs> There's no age limit to pulling your dick out. But that guy's like in his late hundreds and he's still right. on. Or you right, think right, about right. like, um, you know. George Burns was still doing comedy yeah. well into his 90s. Yeah. 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 There's a lot. So as like a woman, I feel like, you know, the like people don't really want to see you on stage after a while. So I also feel like I have to make a different plan if I want to keep doing something creative. And not that I'm only doing it for that reason, but like writing is a thing that I really like, actually like screenplays and whatever. And I've been submitting a lot of these like TV fellowship contests, getting no calls back, you know, zero. But even just like finishing, the only good thing that happened over COVID is that I finished three scripts and submitted them to like six different fellowship contests. Just the finishing it was really great. And I thought like, oh, I finished it. And that's what this is about. Like you can make (laughs) the excuse, right? Like we all have something that, whether it's real or not, that it's in your head, like that holds you back or that you see or it's very evident, right? That a disadvantage that you have, but you can make the excuse, right? Mm. Right. Have you read, have you ever read the book, The War of Art? No, no, gonna, I have not. I'm going to buy it for everybody now. It's really good. It's like this thin little book. It's like this uh, writer, uh, Stephen Pressfield, who has written all kinds of things or whatever, but his book about how all artists struggle essentially and how all artists struggle with the same basic thing. And he calls it like capital R resistance. And it's whatever it is inside you that makes excuses to not do these things. Like I, you know, you're too busy or too tired to do it tomorrow. You don't have the, you'll never make it. It'll never be good enough. Like what all the stuff that we kind of tell ourselves. And it's, it's this very powerful kind of um, motivating book to sort of read. Um, And just talks about this idea that like, you know, sort of to your point, the sort of earning money and, and the final outcome, the success of it is not the goal. The goal is actually doing the work. Like if your goal every day is not that this is going to be amazing, but that it simply will get done right. and I will do the jokes and I will write the thing, that that's the goal and that eventually turns into things. But God, that's fucking hard to do. I it's, mean, you know. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's hard because as, as that's the whole reason like we thought about this whole podcast thing is like as you get older – and you're doing these things, it becomes harder because also there's less peers that are your in your age group that are pursuing that, right? If you're in your 20s, you're pursuing, you got a lot more people in that circle that are also like, oh, yeah, yeah, da, da, da. We'll party, we'll whatever. You're right. You get older, you don't want to be hanging out right. forever right. at bars. And yeah. so it's like your, your, your peers, 
either have their families and that's all they're dedicated to or there's so many other things. And that's, yeah, that's part of the thing that it makes it so easy to not start something that you really want to do when you're older, right? Yeah. Let me ask you this. So, because you have the dog, your dog person, you have the relationship, you have the full-time job, you run all of these shows. Um, I know, you know, you might not be running the, you're doing the virtual shows or you started doing the virtual shows. What keeps you going? Uh, I'm in a lull right now, so it's like hard to remember what used to keep me going. But I think- uh, Wait, when you say lull, you mean writing scripts, three scripts and finishing- No, that was like- (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. That was in June. I had a rough summer. So I've been, but I've been, you know, I had a rough summer. You know how sometimes you'll have a rough time and then you ride the wave of the rough time, like too too long past when it was rough. It's like now it's been a month and you're like- well, it was really hard last month, so I can't do anything now. So I've been, I've been doing a lot of that. Uh, and then I'm like, well, it's dark outside and it's COVID. I'm like, it's dark at 4.30. I can't do any work. Like, it's just – so I, I'm in a uh, not a good place now. But I guess uh, it's ne- kind of negative sounding, but I think what keeps me motivated is, like, the anxiety and, like, the – sort of the jealousy, which maybe is the wrong word, but those moments where you have where you're on Instagram and you see somebody else get a thing that you wish you got, right. I think just the f- the fear that if I give up, there will never be the opportunity to do that thing is like, that's the thing that, you know, I just, I know that, that quitting would, I would hate quitting more than I wouldn't hate quitting because I quit every day, mm. I, I quit, especially when comedy was like a real thing that you did and, you know, you get off the stage and you do some horrible set and the audience hates you or you know, the best part is when the audience comes out and they walk right by you and they turn to this person and go, you're you such so a great funny, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> every <laughs> night. It happens to me every, every <laughs> night. <laughs> you're right there next to me. You were so, you were great. Like, excuse me. Yeah. Is it your friend? You were, Could you just tell your yeah. friend? How you are you so great. <laughs> or that would happen a lot too, I think, if you're hosting a show. Because somehow people who like are outside of the comedy community don't understand that hosting is also like, you're also a comedian. Yeah, like right, it's a little right, bit of a different. Right. And they're like, well, you should do comedy too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll think about that thing. Uh, yeah. uh, but it's, it's, that, it's that anxiety. That's the thing. Cool. That I just, I don't want to be like 65 and like look back and be like man i should have done a thing yes mm-hmm. yes i never did a thing it's it's uh talking about that about comparisons i think uh we have a quote that we just want to read to you from an article mm-hmm. from what is it artwork 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 archive.com why right. it's never too late to become an artist so it can be easy to get sucked into a dark abyss of internet comparisons with other people who develop skills before you in life to think why even bother to think you're already behind or it's too late, no matter what age you are, whether you're 18 or 75, it's easy to feel behind, right? So do you feel like you're behind and is that something that keeps coming up and how do you, if it does, how do you fight that off? Yeah, I feel behind. I do feel really behind. You know, there's like my mom used to say this like cheesy thing about how like when you compare yourself to people, she's like, there's a reason why, you know, horses wear blinders when they race because you're not supposed to look at what the other horse is doing because it just can confuse you. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I I know that. Um, But also, I think as far as I understand, like the horses are also aware that another one's coming up behind them and that's what kind of gets them to go forward. So I think there's like, you know, you're chasing the horse in front of you, but you're also like trying to keep away. So like that sort of anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, keeps me going. But yeah, I I definitely feel behind and I feel behind in so many extra other ways too. Cause like weirdly I got married very young and I bought a house very young. And I think like, especially for women, sometimes like that's the path. And I was like ahead. Right. But then I got divorced and then like, I didn't have kids and then like the house is a mess. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, 
I felt very ahead of people. And I got back to the city in my 30s and all my friends were here. And I was basically like living in first with my mom and then like in like some shack apartment with like a bunch of 18 year old girls and myself and trying to figure out like, you know, I had this like weird temp job. My husband, like my life is falling apart. Like all these things are happening. And like around me, everybody's like finally doing the other thing. They're getting married. Their jobs are getting better. They're getting mortgages. They're doing the stuff. And they're like, how are you? And I'm like, I don't, I have an open mic later. (laughs) I have an open mic later. But, you know, going through the divorce and like trying to figure out all that stuff was like, like for sure the darkest time in my whole life. And I hope, I don't know if you've been divorced. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I and I have dealt with a lot of like death and destruction, but divorce is like, I don't know if you've had that it's experience, tough. but yeah, it's yeah. nightmare. Yeah. And so comedy, it's like cliche, but like it like saved me because first of all, it was a thing I could throw myself into. When I started going to mics, I would be at those Buddha mics all day. On mm. a weekend, I would start at the four o'clock mic and I would go to the midnight mic wow. and I would hang there. And it was also because all my friends were like off doing other stuff and like, kind of questioning me about like, well, what are you, what are you fucking doing? So I didn't want to see my real friends. So it was like, then you make these comedy friends and they don't know you well enough to ask like, what's going on? That you're just all in the same boat together. So suddenly like sitting in this dark basement, like, you know, eating the free snacks at the end of the thing and like commiserating about like your three minute set. Just like, it just felt like, That brings you up. Now you said uh, maybe some of your friends, is there people that either questioned you that you think about, you have to do this because they don't think you should be doing this. Who 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 is that person? Or or you don't have to say any names. But what is is there someone do out? Not, no, <laughs> <laughs> is there someone out there that you want to do this in like spite to, of? To, or to spite? Yeah. Uh, I, no, I don't think I've had I have had that. And if my friends have been like mm, her, like they haven't really said that. They've all been super supportive. And like especially at the beginning when you need like fifteen friends, you right, get on right, stage. Right, they were right. they were very supportive about that. I think. Uh, I, I've thought about doing it like almost for the kind of friends of mine who I think are envious that they stopped. Mm. Um, this is maybe like an overgeneralization, but it happens to me a lot. Like with my, f- I'm hanging out with my female friends, but it's their husbands who I think seem to be the most interested in kind of like what's happening with my comedy career and kind of outside and whatever. And it's often just because this group of husbands, there's like, used to be a drummer, used to be an artist, used to be a this. And they all like, you know, kind of quit that pursuit of like, wasn't a band before you had a baby. And they'll be like, oh, that's amazing. You're still out on like a Saturday night doing the thing, like whatever. And I think there's a little part of them that wishes like, man, maybe I should have done that shit or maybe I shouldn't give my guitar away or like whatever kind of other thing it is. And so I don't want to feel that. Yes. Right. And right. I, and so that's, yeah. You're an inspiration to them. You're an inspiration I don't think I'm them. an inspiration as much you as are. they might be like. You are, without you are. realizing. Without understanding it, you are. Yeah. The fact, the simple fact that they light up and they ask you these things is because they wish they, like they you said. Do they could do it, yeah. One wish. time I had a, uh, like a friend of mine, uh, he, every now and then he would come out to shows when I was starting. And then one time, I guess like when I was getting better, I did well. And then like, we're just at, at the bar after the show hanging out. And he's like, yo man, like I'm jealous of you. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, like I'm jealous, and I was like, wait, what, are, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I don't, he's like, yeah, that you're like doing, like you're actually doing stand up comedy. Yeah. He's like, I wish I could like do it, but it's like, like either he doesn't feel confident enough or is too nervous to do it. But you, but it would just, it just took me back because I never would have expected that coming from him. And uh, staying good. with that, yeah, good. In that same article, uh, second uh, portion of that article, right? Uh, most people won't give up a career to start planning on a whim. But the good news is that we are allowed to have multiple interests, multiple paths, passions, and pursuits in this lifetime. It is never too late to start again with a new beginning or to reinvent yourself. 
And that's right. When we get older, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's like the pressure of society or it's become a, the standard, right? That you can't try something else, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm learning uh, Hindi. Why are you learning? Is it for your job? No, I'm just, I just want to learn, mm. like, where are you going to use it? I just want to learn Hindi. Yeah. Like people always, like when you get to a certain level, people will always question your, right? You're older. Like, mm. wait, you got, you're starting comedy now. Yeah. You're yeah. starting this now. You want to start acting like, like yeah. people can't get like. They can't wrap their heads around it. And it's like everybody individually must have lots of different interests. Yes. But the idea that you couldn't be simultaneously interested in being like the president and an actor. We've had those, right? right? right like right. you're like, what? How yeah. would you want to be an actor and the president? Like that doesn't make any sense. And it's, yeah. And it's like, I don't know how you change that for people to not feel that way because I think there's many people that stop pursuing, like just like you said, those friends, right? That they're like, they probably got the career, what they wanted, the kids, the job with the benefits. But then there's always that lingering, like, Damn, I should have, or I never. Yeah. Like I think, I think too, is that people see it, it's people see, want to see the success, right? So people will stop because they're like, I'm never going to get to this level, or I'm never going to get to meet my own expectations. So why do it? Mm-hmm. Instead of just doing it and realizing that the act of, doing it is the success in itself yes that's the war of art yeah that's you the know summary. so you just you just get out there and do it but some people stop because they're never i don't think there's enough stories of people who are just average and making it you know what i'm you know what i'm saying yes everybody yeah that's- because you you see chris rock you see dave Chappelle, you see louis ck and you're like i can never reach that but there's a guy out there who's mm-hmm you know, make making it in life and able to have a good life that you've never heard of. Yeah. And if there were more stories about that, uh, maybe you and I one day could make it to that level and then we'll inspire we'll inspire more people. I, could, I could have a podcast, podcast with two listeners <laughs> and I'll be okay. <laughs> exactly. Or, or that's like an interesting thing to do with your podcast too, is to try to find some of those people who are doing it. Because that's very, I think that's a thing. I don't know if you guys have had that experience, but a lot of my friends or anyone's asking who's like not in the biz, you know, they basically feel like, if you're not going to be Chris Rock, which obviously you're not, Abby, like what, like, you know, how long are you going to pursue this until you're, and it's like, you know how people are just like nameless, faceless, you don't know who they are, but they get up every night at the cellar right, and they like write right. for the Tonight Show and they look, whatever they do, like you could be that level of namelessness, right. like where you just like get paid, but like you get paid to do something right. you love. And like, there's a lot of that. You don't have to be Amy Schumer exactly, right. but people aren't really aware of that. Yeah. So you got to go through like the list of names you don't know on the cellar each night and invite them to the show and be like, tell us your story of like <laughs> yeah. just being like a mid-level manager at yeah. the comedy set. But yeah, no, yeah. But also like in, like, in terms of people, like pigeonholing you even just in my corporate job because i've worked at a law firm for so long if you want to do something slightly different and people get your resume and they're like wow you mostly been at a law firm like why would you want to do pro bono now and it's like this is just a list of things i've done this is not everything i can do like this is just what i you know like today they're like we couldn't imagine how you could possibly like transfer that slightly different thing into it yeah so people are just yeah which is how you get stuck doing that one thing because it's just what you've always done and people aren't it's almost like the catch-22 right it's like how can i do that thing if I haven't been given a chance to do that thing just because I haven't done that thing. Right. Yeah. Oh, whatever. But it's uh, okay. So we've gotten to um, we've gotten to the point that you're doing this thing. How are you managing or before COVID, how are you managing 
time doing all of those things between dentist appointments and <laughs> people all on the same comedy the calendars of people. Yeah. You have all these things going on, right? So pre-COVID, you're you're doing you're running five shows, you're working a full-time job, you have the dog, you have the relationship. Yeah. Is there any what did you have to set aside? Sleep. <laughs> sleep for sure. Uh, especially cause my, the job I had previous to this was like, like a next level at this law firm. It was like getting to be like 75 hour weeks, like kind of just wow. like two, like it was wow. really, I was very grateful that COVID actually happened. Cause like everything slowed down. Cause I was like at that point where I was like, I don't think I can make it work anymore. You know, I guess like sort of the nice thing about also being this age, maybe not the nice thing, but like all my friends promptly moved out of the city, got married, you know, had babies moved to the suburbs. So it wasn't like I had tons of people to see anymore. So that was sort of out. And yeah, totally. (laughs) Slackers. So that was it. My boyfriend is like also like a, a, you know, a slash person. He's a marketing manager slash photographer, which is what he really wants to do with his life. So he also, he really understood the like, yeah, I'm going to be out till late a lot of the nights because I'm like pursuing my dream and he's pursuing a dream on the side too. So Mm -hmm. he gets that. So that's okay. Um, but yeah, I would say, I, I don't think anybody, maybe my mom would probably disagree, but she probably suffered. But I think maybe also part of that is like, uh, maybe I was intentionally building up to be so busy. No, nobody needs to run that many shows. Like also part of it is like, a, or maybe like being busy on this level is like a bit of a defense mechanism that you just, you never have time to like, right. I don't have time for it. I have to schedule it all like mm-hmm. to do. And it does help me to have to be so scheduled to like force me to do stuff because I'm very lazy and I'm like a real procrastinator. I know that might not seem like with the things I've said, but like it is fucking hard to motivate. Like, you know, even sometimes like the kids and the TikTok and the things like, I'm like, I got to learn another thing. I got to learn how to make a right. reel on the Instagram. <laughs> I just learned how to like, and you have to do it to like stay relevant, to do the thing. And sometimes it's like, that feels so hard. Like, could you make a post? Could you make one funny post? I'm like, I don't, I'm going to do the dishes first. I'm yeah. going to walk the dog right, first. I'm going right. to do all the things. Like it's so hard. So at least if I'm so scheduled that like there isn't going to be a later I have to do it in this half hour or that's not whatever, then that is sort of helpful for me to like, which like COVID is not really helpful. So time, yeah. I mean, time, yeah. Time is always a big, a big, uh, a big factor when you're trying to do something, you know, because it's how you're starting something new on top of all the other stuff you already had going on. Yeah, well, look how much time you spend at your day job, right? Right. In order to be good at that, you have to put in the time. Yeah, so this right. is this is no different. Yeah. yeah. What is and that I to think, say an expert like 10,000 hours or something? So yeah. at five minutes a clip on stage, that's going to be a while. It's going to be a long that's time. But running five shows is also because you love it, but because you understand what it takes, right? Somebody else might be like, well, you know, I don't, I'm in my 20s, I don't have to run any shows, I'll just wait for people. But you're like, no, I got to get it done. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it myself. I think that's true. And it, maybe it was also like the podcasting for you guys, you get to, you know, do it yourself. Like I also was trying to think about things I'm good at. I am not the funniest comedian by any stretch, but I was like, I'm pretty good at like organizing things and like producing stuff. And I had some production experience. So just that I was like, well, that is a thing that could set me apart and I can start getting these shows. And that's something that kind of worked out for me, I think in that way. So you have to like flex the muscles that you have like you're good at obviously technology stuff you do the podcast like that's you bring whatever to the table you you have gotcha. to bring yeah. to the table so yeah. i mean we're not good at this <laughs> i mean it looks as you, good it as looks you good. guys yeah, can no, see from like, the- I'm, yeah, I'm getting up every six minutes <laughs> no, you're checking it we have sheets all over the 
<laughs> it looks good. It looks good. But I what do you guys use for to to uh, to condense sound? Uh, we just put the bed on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, why? You're my. making it work. You're making it work. Uh, <laughs> I mean, one one this, thing though that like, I don't know if you guys have had like if you have this like if you hold I have two things in my mind about this at the same time. In one moment, I think, wow, you haven't done anything with comedy. This is going nowhere. You're wasting your time. What do you like? Do you want to be like fifty at the lantern, like doing? I don't know. Yes. And then the other, yeah, and then the other. Lee's already already fifty. Lee is your worst nightmare. This is what it's going to end up. But as a woman, fifty at the lantern feels terrible. Like you feel seasoned. I feel. (laughs) There are no fifty-year-old ladies at the lantern. Like it's just not. But and then the, the other side of that is like you know, we are and have been in New York City, like performing comedy at like the place you want to perform comedy and literally sometimes on the stages with the people who are like our heroes that you never. Yeah. And so that, so that can be so incredible in some moments. Cause like if I was learning to be a singer, like I wouldn't sometimes like run into Beyonce. You know, right. like yeah, at my show. That's what I, yeah, yeah. That's like one of uh comedy as hard as it is, like stand up comedy, uh, as hard as it is, that is one of like the benefits that you can like rub elbows, with like your heroes and people that are like at the height and you're sharing stages with these people. And sometimes you even like share conversations with them. Yeah. Um, the proximity to like a level people, uh, that's dope about like, that's one thing that's super dope. Yeah. It makes it great when they're approachable and they're when, friendly. Yes. And when they're, they're approachable just one of the and you just, you can just have a, like a conversation. Yeah. Like I was at a, I wasn't even performing at the show. I was just like taking pictures at the show, but then we hung, hung out like afterwards and it was like me, Norman, uh, I forgot. Well, it was like a, a lot of these people on TV, but it was just chill. Like we just got to chill like one summer humans. night. Yeah. And just like, and that was dope to me. That was like one of the best highlights. In, yeah. And each one of them has had that same experience. Cause I was, I did a show with Anthony DeVito and I was like driving him up somewhere. And the whole time in the car, I was like, <laughs> and then he told me a story about being at the cellar where Ray Romano said that next to him as I was talking about the game. And he was like, it's fucking Ray Romano. And I was right. like, yeah, we all have the same kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, That's yeah. so funny, so man. That, that is, is cool. So like yeah. in a way, you know, what is the definition of success or how do you know when you've gotten there and maybe that's never the right thing. Like certainly we are all now performing in New York, which is a thing that I always dreamed about doing. So like the seller may never call, it may never be better than the lantern, this whatever, but you know, at least like we get up and we used to when the world was open a lot of nights a week and perform in front of real audiences that were sometimes paying to see us. And like, yeah. And actually telling you that you did a great job. Or at least the guy next to you did a great job. Well, you looked at me first, so. (laughs) (laughs) That belongs. Excuse me, who's your friend? He was so funny. (laughs) That belongs to me. That's so funny. Um, Before we wrap up, um, because we could go on and talk to you forever. This has been great, by Thanks the way. Thanks for having yeah, me, guys. Yeah. This, this is so this fun. This has been fantastic. And good for you for doing it. This is like also on the list of things I'm eventually going to do is do a podcast. So like good for you for doing uh, it. It's so hard to sit down and just like get that together. We'd so be happy to produce it and technicalize oh, whatever like you call that. this, whatever it is that you need help with. Uh, just ask. Thanks. We'll, we'll, we'll be ha- more than happy to help you. But um, and if you need some uh, a push, I will remind you tomorrow that you said you wanted to do a podcast. But and you have a dentist appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Your Don't forget. <laughs> Tell everybody, right? What is what is what is the question that we want answered to everyone who's going to listen to this? What mm. is what is it that we want? Do you have some advice for mm. people who are thinking of starting something or making excuses or you know they? 
they'd rather walk the dog or, you know, be yeah. with their spouse or significant other. What yeah. is the advice that you give to them if they're thinking about it, but they have all these ex built in excuses? Yeah. Somebody that has like a, pa it's like a passion for something. It could be creative or it could be a passion for something like a business. They want to start. They've always wanted to, whatever it is. So the, I think that practically speaking, the thing I, I recommend to everybody is that book that I was talking about, because I think it's a game changer. Like I will totally like send you guys a link to it. War of Art, Stephen Pressfield. It's like so motivating. It's really short and it's the kind of thing you can read again that like totally taps into all this stuff. And it's exactly not just about art, but it's about anything you're trying to do, you wish you could do that you like are experiencing resistance toward. And I think that's kind of helpful. But um, yeah, I think... I think trying to for something that I, I found helpful, I think it works is is setting aside the time to do a specific thing. And even if it's not good or even if you literally get nothing out of it, like if you said, I'm going to write every day for an hour, even if you sit in front of your computer for an hour and you don't type a single thing, like force yourself to have that misery of sitting in the seat and doing the thing where you like are like, I could just write, just write one, just write one, like something, you know what I mean? Just like go through that motion. I think like your body will start to just do a thing like, you know, you'll produce that like eventually something's going to work out, but just like go through the motions right. and you're supposed to like not, this is the thing I've heard, but I don't always apply it, but like you're not supposed to wait for motivation, right? Because professionals just do it because action. they, they have to, and right. they do the action, you don't wait for motivation, like just start now. And so that's so much easier said than done. That's but great advice. Don't have regrets. That's great advice. Thank awesome. you very much. Why don't you uh, just tell everyone where they could find you on the internet? By the way, Stephen Pressfield, uh, when Abby starts her podcast and YouTube <laughs> show, we're going to have to get affiliate links for her because she's going to be, she's not going to be talking about your book without getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not going to hear this, Stephen. But <laughs> he's not. He totally, doesn't need, he totally doesn't need my plug. Where can they find me? They mostly can find me on the couch now. Um, that's mostly. I think everything I'm doing ends up on my Instagram, which is Abby Dubs. D-U-B-S Insta. And so any kind of shows or promo and my website and all that kind of stuff is on there. So that's the place to go to. Don't look at my TikTok yet because I'm not really sure how that works. And <laughs> there's a lot of weird dog videos on there. It's, I'm testing things out. But what is it? Abby? Abby Dubs Insta. Abby Dubs Insta. So to all our two listeners, Abby Dubs Insta. Our, our our demo doesn't look at TikTok yet. They don't even know how to, they don't know how to download it. Because <laughs> you two are just the demos. Like, we, don't have, we don't have any more phones. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. This is super fun. Thank you Thank very you much. So much. Yeah. Remember, it's never too late 